Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's focus for Tuesday, January the 17th, 2023 at 1040 a.m. Central Time. Today's focus, well, I'm not going to tell you what today's focus is. I'm going to play some audio for you that really is going to be the focus for today. I, I could just tell you, hey, this I heard this and, and I want to talk about it, but I'm not going to do that. I did hear this early this morning, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning uh, on the Sermons 2.0 app. It is the featured sermon of the day. Sermons 2.0 app, the featured sermon of the day. When I reached over and grabbed my iPad this morning around 3 or 4 a.m., I saw that that was the featured sermon. I hit play, and within minutes, I was like, there's my today's focus. So instead of just taking it and saying, hey, look, let's talk about this, I want you to hear what I heard because I think this will introduce it, and I hope you would, I hope, I truly hope you'll give this some serious, serious thought because Based on, on what happened to me yesterday that we've already talked about in a live broadcast, I feel this subject is maybe more important than it, maybe I feel that, that it's more important because of what happened, because I feel that for some weird reason, Christians aren't willing to admit a very uncomfortable reality, but it's a reality we must admit we have to admit it, even though no one wants to. But here we go. This is what I heard around 3 or 4 a.m. This morning, we're just going to play a little bit of this. Again, this is the featured sermon on the Sermons 2.0 app. I would challenge you to listen to the entire thing today. But we're going to take just a, a basic concept from it and make it our today's focus. Here we go. Uh, the volume is low. I have amplified it. Um, and even though I amplified it a lot it's still low. I don't, they recorded this at like the lowest possible volume. And I, I don't know what they were thinking, but we have amplified it artificially. And I, I think it should be loud enough for you. But listen carefully. I've entitled this message. Is my gospel the gospel? Now, did you hear that? He entitled his sermon, Is My Gospel The Gospel? Is My Gospel The Gospel? Now, let's let him do a little bit more explaining here. Is My Gospel The Gospel? Last Sunday, uh, part of the message, uh, actually seven minutes worth, I listened to it to see, but seven minutes worth of the message, I brought out some points, is my gospel the gospel? And I thought about that, and I prepared a TV message for it, and I preached it for the TV taping, and it was such a blessing to me. I thought, I want to bring this message this morning. Is my gospel the gospel? And I want you to focus in on that question. Is my gospel, is your gospel 
the gospel is my gospel, the gospel. Just the title is brilliant. The title, I think, is is super interesting. But I'm going to probably take this in somewhat of a different direction because I found something very ironic as I was listening. I was like, I don't think he realizes how ironic this is, but but that's okay. Is my gospel these, the gospel? We'll give him a, uh, just a little bit more time to explain. Again, I want you to go listen to this sermon. It's the featured sermon on the Sermons 2.0 app. We're just going to borrow a little bit from it because uh, we're going to take this in a different direction and I will explain in just a minute. In Romans chapter 2, verse 16, Paul said, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men, according to my gospel. Now that is one of three times that Paul uses the personal, possessive pronoun, my, with regard to the gospel. The personal possessive pronoun, my, 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 my gospel, my God, my Christianity. So today's focus is the Christianity of self, the my Christianity, the my God, the my gospel, the my interpretation. Whether we like to admit it or not, much of Christianity is not the Christianity. It's the Christianity of self. And we, nobody wants to admit this. Nobody wants to acknowledge it. But it's just the reality of it. We, we, we can try to deny it all day long. But so much of Christianity, so much of your Christianity is just that. Your Christianity. It's the Christianity of self. Let, let's let him go a little bit further here. Is my gospel. The gospel. The gospel. Is the gospel what is my gospel, what the Bible would call the gospel? That's a very important question, isn't it? Is my gospel the gospel? Let me give you some phrases before I get into the meat of the message uh, of biblical names for the gospel. Okay, he's going to go in and give some different names, but he's going to use this idea. And basically the question is, hey, you have your gospel, but is it the gospel? Now, here's what I found so ironic about it, all right? So as he goes through the message, it's about 36, 37 minutes long. And again, you should go listen to it. That's the featured sermon of the day on Sermons 2.0. Please go listen to the whole thing. Please do that. But what I found ironic, and I want you to listen to it for yourself, as he's saying, is my gospel the gospel? Then he proceeds to say what the gospel is, right? And if you listen to it, you're going to hear that he's going to explain the gospel in a way that many Christians would disagree with. So immediately, while he's saying, is my gospel the gospel? He obviously is under the conclusion that his gospel is the gospel. But other people who listen to him would say, no, your gospel isn't the gospel. It's my gospel that is the gospel. So everyone believes that their gospel is the gospel. 
And I don't know why Christians can't acknowledge we have this major issue, right? I don't, it, when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to baptism, when it comes to the Lord's Supper, when it comes to how the church should work or shouldn't work, who can be a pastor, who can't be a pastor, you name it, everyone has their version of Christianity. It's the Christianity of self. And nobody wants to acknowledge this, but it's just the reality. When it comes to the Bible, everyone has their, it's, and and I'm grabbing my Bible right here. It's my Bible in in this sense. It's my interpretation of the Bible. We, We want to claim the Bible is the final authority, but we're the final authority. We want to say that the gospel is the gospel, but how is it the gospel? Is it, or is it simply my gospel? Now, I do believe that there is only one gospel. I do believe that there is only there should only be one understanding of baptism. I believe that there should only be one. The problem is trying to find what the one is is almost impossible because we have self all over Christianity. And it's always bizarre because we'll say, well, my interpretation is right. My interpretation is clear. Any other interpretation is wrong. Well, the other people would be saying, no, no, no. I believe the scriptures are clear. My interpretation are right. And whenever I say this, people get really like, they get bothered or irritated with me. And I don't know why you get irritated with me. Don't we see the results of this every day in the world of Christianity? Just drive around your city. How many different churches are there? How many different gospels are there? How many different views of baptism? How many different views of the spiritual gifts? How many different views about the church structure? How many different views on everything? So much of Christianity is whatever Christianity is, has become the Christianity of self. And it's something we all must struggle with and we must acknowledge. Uh, Yesterday when I was having the, I kind of was high, you know, I don't know what I call it. It was like, it was a setup, I felt like. And I was invited, I thought, to have a chat with one person, multiple people there, and they all basically had a a view on infant baptism. And because I was the Baptist, immediately everyone was going to jump on me. It was crazy. But it was this weird, like, hey, don't you realize that all the church fathers believed in infant baptism? So you must believe in infant baptism. So I'm saying, so the church fathers are the authority? Well, Well, they are the authority as long as they agree with Scripture. And so then I said, oh, you mean as long as they agree with your interpretation of Scripture? And they basically could not believe I would say something so insane. But it's the truth. Because if if we went back to those church fathers, they would say, no, you're wrong about Scripture. And we'd be looking at them saying, no, you're wrong about Scripture. But then at the same time, we want to say they have some authority. Well, they, they only have authority when they agree with you. And then when they don't agree with you, then they don't have authority. Because, because, but listen to what they were establishing. Their understanding of Scripture, their interpretation of Scripture was authoritative and binding even on the church fathers. But they couldn't see that it was their interpretation. And I would say, well, other people have a different interpretation. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. According to them, infant baptism is clear in the Scripture. Infant baptism basically as a regenerative thing is clear in the Scripture. And it's like... Okay, well, other people would say strongly different, would, would say, say things in a, in a very strong and different way. It was, it was, but the conversation just made me realize how Christians aren't willing to acknowledge this. You read the Bible and you interpret the Bible. And when you're, and based on your interpretation of the Bible, 
that becomes authoritative. And not only do we believe it's authoritative, we then we insist that it's authoritative on everyone else and anyone else who deviates with my interpretation, my gospel, they have a false gospel. They have a false interpretation. Now, I know in one way, that's the only way we can operate, right? In one way, that's all we can do. We All we can do is pursue the interpretation of scripture to the best of our ability. And in whatever we believe it says, we have to stand. That's all we can do. I'm more than willing to acknowledge that's how we have to operate. My, my point that I try to make is can't we acknowledge the issue of self is all over Christianity? Can we acknowledge that? That so much of it is really self. My gospel. Well, he he explains what he thinks, what his gospel is. And I guarantee you, there's people who are listening, especially people who are not reformed, especially people who don't believe in limited atonement or particular redemption, people who don't believe in basically a reformed gospel, right? Now, he doesn't like the term reformed. He doesn't want to be classified by one of those names. But if you listen to him, he's giving kind of a more standard, classic uh, definition of the gospel, where those non-reformed would be like, your gospel isn't the gospel. My gospel is the gospel. And this is the and 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 look, this is the this is just the results of of a look. Here's the thing: you either have a Christianity, and I, and I've said this so so many times. You either have a Christianity where the church is the authority, right? The church has a magisterial authority. They're the ones who gives the authoritative interpretation of Scripture. They declare what dogma is and what it isn't, and they declare who's anathema and who isn't. So you either have a Christianity that says the church is the authority and you're just supposed to submit to that. You can't question that, right? Or you say, no, 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 no. I'm the authority. Now I know what you're going to say. No, that's not true. That's not true. The scriptures are the authority. Well, I, I believe that you're right. Scriptures should be the final authority, but here's the reality of it. Once we rejected the church, we inserted ourselves. We became our own pope. We became our own magisterium. We believe we have the authoritative interpretation of scripture. We declare what dogma is, and we declare who's anathema and who is not. And that's just the reality of it. We replace the authority of the church with the authority of self, while we try to maintain that we hold to the authority of scripture. And I wish that we held to the authority of Scripture. And I think that we have to, I think I think many Christians are struggling and we're doing our very best to try to say, no, what do the Scriptures say? What do the Scriptures say? I do believe we try. And I do believe that maybe to some level that is accomplished. But the reality is, over and over and over, is it the authority of Scripture? Is it the authority of your interpretation? Is it my gospel or the gospel? Is it my interpretation or the interpretation? Is it my God or is it the God? You have to see your fingerprints all over so many aspects of Christianity. Now, I don't know if this quote is can be proven to be from Martin Luther. It's accredited to Martin Luther. I have not gone searching to see if I can find it, but it's a, it's a quote accredited to Martin Luther who said something along these lines, if this is truly his quote. But I believe it is his, but I, I haven't verified it, so I have to be careful and make sure I give you that information. And I quote, the church 
needs to rid itself of all false glories that torture scripture by inserting personal ideas into the scripture, which lend to it their own sense. No, scripture, scripture, scripture for me. Constrain, press, compel me with God's word. Doesn't that sound awesome? Let me read it again. The church needs to rid itself of all false glories that that torture scripture by inserting personal ideas into the scripture, which lend to, to it their own sense. Hey, the church has got to stop torturing scripture by inserting personal ideas that then lend to the, to the text its own sense, its own understanding, its own perspective. Luther said, no, scripture, 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 constrain, press, and compel me with God's word. That sounds awesome. That sounds wonderful. That sounds great, doesn't it? Yeah, and everybody was like, amen. I love Martin Luther. Yeah. Are you a Lutheran? Do you believe in baptismal regeneration of a child? If you don't, well, then you don't agree with Luther. And guess what? He would say that you are torturing scripture and that you've inserted self into the scriptures and that you're wrong. And then you would say, no, Luther, you inserted yourself into scripture. You're wrong. Well, then guess what? Both sides claim that they have the truth. The other side doesn't have the truth. While both sides claim (laughs) that the scriptures are the final authority. (laughs) So can we acknowledge that both sides are, put it this way. Can we not agree? That not, well, we, I think we would have to agree with this. At least one side has inserted self into the text. At least one side isn't giving me the gospel. They're giving me their gospel. They're not giving me the interpretation. They're giving me their interpretation. At least one side has to be doing that because both sides can't be right. So we, as believers, have to acknowledge the possibility and the probability that we have self, that we've inserted self into the text, and we can be guilty of it. So you say, so what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? What can we do? I'll just throw out some ideas. I didn't, I didn't really write any down, but I'll just throw some things that I've been talking about for a long time. I think this, the, the typical sermon structure has to be destroyed. The sermon structure, I, the whole concept of a sermon, I've turned completely against it because it's where the preacher in many cases is just preaching a system of theology. He's just, he's just preaching a conclusion, his presuppositions. And I don't believe in many cases, I believe the sermon actually keeps people away from the text. I think what we need more of is pastor standing behind the pulpit going, okay, Here's the text today, guys. We're going to walk through this. We're going to struggle through this. We're going to ask questions. We're going to be looking things up together. We're going to just be working through it. Not, not so much in a sermon way where you're like, okay, guys, here's the text. Here's my three points. See, it's right there. In reality, they're just inserting an idea already into the text. You're not really studying the text. There's something that's being laid over the text. So I think we, the sermon structure needs to be blown up. It has to be. 
We've got to get, we can't keep people from the text by continuing to preach sermons. I know when I say that people think I'm crazy, but I'm just saying we, there, there, there's a problem there. All right. Because, because the pastor in a roundabout way, and even though now the pastor has to do everything in his power to convince the people he's preaching the text, but in many cases, he's, he's preaching his conclusion to the text, inserting it in the text, and then preaching it as if it is the text. But we, we, I know we've got to actually study the text. So I think that's number one. Number two, we have to acknowledge that every time we come to the Bible, I don't care how many times I've studied a passage of scripture. I never, 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 never rely on my previous study. That's why yesterday when I kind of was blindsided and and basically, I don't know, I don't even know. The whole thing was just crazy the way that went down. They almost immediately wanted me on the spot to go, give me your exegesis of Acts 2.38, just right on the spot. And it's like, well, first of all, I don't do that because whatever my previous understanding of Acts 2.38 is not my understanding today because if I'm going to study the text today, we're going to start brand new and I'm going to lay aside all of my my, uh, presuppositions and all of my previous understanding. Whenever I say that, people think I'm crazy. But the reason I have to do this is because I have to acknowledge that anytime I touch the text, self is getting involved. So the self of Christianity is being formulated because self is involved. So when I study it again, I have to forget what I've done to it before because maybe this time I, that the previous self that was inserted into it will be detected and I can throw it out and I can see the text more clearly. I think the sermon structure needs to be blown up and done away with. And we have to, when we study the text, forget anything we've ever learned about the text previously. Every sermon we've ever heard, every seminary class, we have to forget everything and look at it anew. I think that that is, I think that's extremely important we have to do that. So we, so number one, we've got to blow up the sermon structure. Number two, we've got to uh, approach the text every time as if it's the first time we've ever looked at it, read it, or seen it. And I think number three, we've got to get down to proper Bible study methods because the, the, the majority of Bible study is observation. So we need the proper observational Bible study methods so that we can be people who are spending more and more time observing the text, not trying to interpret it. We need to become, listen, we need to become Bible observers far more than we are Bible interpreters. Now, I know many would disagree with that, but I'm just saying we've got to do a better job of observing what's there and acknowledging what isn't there. We can't we can't make something there that's not there. So we got to blow up the sermon structure. We got to approach the text, forgetting everything we've ever learned. And we need to become better at being Bible observers before we become Bible interpreters. Everyone wants to be the interpreter. Everyone wants to be the interpreter. And let's just take the yesterday's argument about, say, infant baptism. Well, I believe if I go from Genesis to Revelation and I just look at Scripture alone, I'm sorry. You, 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 you're inserting it. You're implying. You're inferring it. It's, there's not, it's not there. The best you have is a couple, what, five examples of supposedly household baptisms. And I think three of them, it says everyone believed. I think three of them says everyone believed. We would have to go through all five. 
But over and over and over is believe and are baptized. They received God's word and they were baptized. They received that's over and over and over and over. They went down into the water. Everything from the biblical perspective seems to imply adult, uh, uh, a at least not an infant. Someone who believes and then they are baptized. That that's what you hear. Now I know you can say, well, what about the covenant? And this covenant, then we got to transfer the. And you can start trying all of these, but you're doing a lot of inferring and implying. If we just go with the text alone, and many who believe in infant baptism have acknowledged that just the scriptures uh, themselves don't necessarily lead to that conclusion. Well, that to me, if that's the authority then that's the authority. I think sometimes we we have to get better at just acknowledging what's in the text. We've got to get better at just acknowledging what's, observing what's there. And, and again, I would say whatever you want to do with Old Testament covenant and try to transfer that over to the New Testament and then say, well, we they put the old covenant, the sign of the old covenant on a child. We've got to put the new covenant sign on the child and the new covenant sign is baptism. If you want to go with that direction, even if you want to argue that, well, then just go from Matthew to Revelation and show me where the children are being baptized. You have to then try to go to where it says a household where it doesn't even mention an infant and insert that it, that's where it occurred. You think something that dramatic, right? Hey, guys, this is a pretty serious, like in Acts 15. Hey, no, we're no, circumcision is no longer mandated. Hey, guys, you know why circumcision is no longer mandated? It's been replaced by infant baptism. That would have been, that would have been the first church council where they're literally dealing with the question of possible circumcision on the Gentiles and they just failed to mention that it's been replaced by infant. Wouldn't that be the place to do so? Hey, we can solve this problem. Stop worrying about uh, circumcision. Now we baptize babies at eight days. That's what replaced it. But no, for some weird, weird reason that was left out. I wonder why. I wonder why. Oh, but, but it's, but it's inferred here. That would have been the place to fix the whole problem. But the point is, is, see, I'm giving you my understanding. And someone else would be like, you're so wrong. But can't we just acknowledge both of us can't be right? So somebody has the my. It's my Christianity. It's my interpretation. It's, and you say, no, 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 no. It's the early church's interpretation. Yeah, okay, so it's their interpretation. So now it's not my, it's their. But the minute their interpretation goes against what you think is the right interpretation, then their interpretation gets cast aside so that you can insert your interpretation. Now, some people will argue that I'm abandoning the concept of truth or that I'm abandoning the concept that, well, don't you believe the Bible has one interpretation? Oh, I believe it should have one interpretation. I believe that the, the, the Bible was written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and that the original author intended for it to be understood a certain way. I do believe that. I also know that we're all fallible. And I know we all have our own interpretation that we then immediately start assuming is, well, dogma and is fact. And I think that that's all you can do. That's all you can do is study the Bible, think that this is the interpretation and operate as if it is true. I'm not saying stop doing that. What I'm saying is you have to acknowledge self is involved in this process. It's not a pure process. And so the next time I study that text, I got to set aside everything I learned before. 
look at it. I got to, we need to blow up the sermon structure. We need to always look at the text anew. Uh, we have, we have to do that. And we have to become Bible observers instead of Bible interpreters. Because we, if we could agree on what the text actually says, and, and, and not just the text, all the, the, the things that we see in scripture related to that text and clearly observe it. Well, okay. Sometimes if we can agree on the observation, that brings us much closer together in the interpretation. But yes, my gospel. Go listen to that sermon today. It's the featured sermon on Sermons 2.0. But as you listen, I just, I really want you to just pay close attention to how he's like, here is my gospel. And basically his, his assertion is that my gospel, in this case, his gospel is the gospel. But I guarantee you there'll be people who listen who will say, no, his gospel isn't the gospel. It's just his gospel because their gospel is the gospel. And everyone thinks that their gospel is the gospel. But not everyone's gospel can be the gospel when all of our gospels disagree with one another. (laughs) I believe many gospels out there are actually more law than they are gospel. Go listen to our series on understanding law and gospel. But they would assert, assert that my gospel is it not, not enough law, and I would assume their gospel has too much law. In other words, we would disagree. Now, th- th- it's weird how Christians don't want to acknowledge this kind of, you know, dirty secret. We don't really want to acknowledge it. But isn't it amazing that the atheists and the agnostics and the skeptics, they are very quick to point this out. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, give me your interpretation. Well, Bob over there gave me a different interpretation. And Susan over there gave me a different interpretation. And Robert gave me a different. And, they just, and they're like, they, they are willing to point out, you guys are out of your mind. You all think you're right and you can't agree on anything. But then when Christians, within the Christian world, we're not supposed to acknowledge this dirty little secret. We're supposed to pretend, no, there's really just a lot of agreement. Give me a break. Or they'll say, well, there was a lot of agreement in the early church. Well, then just say the early church was the authority, and that that early church authority was passed on to a, well, a church. And we have to find that church who still has that authority, and we must submit to it. But then it'll be like, no, 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 no. See, the early church was good up to this point. Then basically the early church became Roman Catholic, and then they're wrong. Okay, so the early church was right. Then they became wrong, but the, but the earlier church was right. So we agree with it. It's just, it's so maddening. It's just so much circular reasoning and insanity. But I thought we would at least talk about this today because I want you to just embrace the struggle. Embrace, look, you have to embrace the, the uncomfortable reality. How much of your Christianity is the Christianity of self versus the Christianity. How much of your gospel is simply that? Your gospel and not the gospel. How much of your interpretation is simply that? Your interpretation, not the interpretation. That is your today's focus for January the 17th, 2023. Thank you for listening. Everyone have a great day. Email me at newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com.